Welcome back in. David Locke is going to be joining us, and he's brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Tim Lacombe sitting in for David James. We'll be back on Monday. Good morning, Mr. Locke. How the heck are you? I am great, PK. I am great, Tim Lacombe. Golly, what a world this is. Lacombe, are you working on us, though? I'm not, no. Um, trying to pick up a couple more shifts here yeah. and there. Yeah, I'm a little worried about you. Um, I'm just following your lead. I just remember when you broke on what you ha- what you've done then and since. So you just don't stop working, bro. Um, I don't think um, I don't think that's really true. Um, and I think you're um, older now, so you shouldn't work that. <laughs> there you go. I just wanted the the opportunity to have three legends on the radio together: Yak, PK. And Locke. Yak and Locke. David James on line three. David James on line three. <laughs> I don't even know where the legends are. He better not be calling. He's on vacation. He no, I wasn't calling it. myself on. I was yeah. calling Yak, Locke, <laughs> and PK. Yak, Locke, and PK. I don't know. That sounds like a tax firm to me. Not much of Not one that you'd want to do business with no, either. No, not at all. Not sports legend. Locke's a sports legend, that's for sure, man. A thousand games right, this dude's all right, done. Move on. A thousand Let's games this dude's done. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when will we do two thousand and a thousand more? Is uh, Don, Donovan Mitchell? You are. You are. We are. The, the role on this show is I'm supposed to come on and talk about how great DJ and PK are. That's why DJ <laughs> sends me the check. That's like, like I. No, but I'm. But I'm here today, so we're going to. I do not want to lose that extra income. I get every. I like that extra income. I don't want to lose that. All right, move on. Is Mitchell going to play tonight? Yeah, I think so. Sure seems like it, right? I mean, you never know with concussions. It only takes, you know, that's what happened with Hassan, right? Hassan, we thought, was cleared on his concussion. And then when he all of a sudden came out of a shooter on that day, when and it was a day where Rudy wasn't going to go. And um, and so then all of a sudden, you know, Hassan didn't feel quite right. Um, and, and that's the night I think we ended up without a center against Jokic, right, um, uh, on that. So I, I think that when you um, – when you're dealing with concussions, you got to be a little careful to assume anything. Um, but I would hope so. Did you see that thing from Rick Buecher, some scout that the Jazz are a Rick, first round exit? Dude, Rick Buecher, Rick Buecher was so big in the nineties. Yeah, he was. Still trying to make a living, I'll give him credit. But he quotes some unnamed scout. The Jazz are a first round exit away from Mitchell being in New York. I mean, that just really bugs me. But like, why? Like, why? Why? Why does it bug me? Yeah. Because I just get tired of it. It's a beat-down narrative over and over and over again. And it, so, it's, You know what would bother me more? What? Is if we didn't have any players that were good enough for people to want. Yeah, they're not saying Elijah Hughes wants to go back to his home state right. where he played ball. Right? Like, to me, like... It's just part of, like Minnesota's going to deal is dealing with, with Carl Anthony Towns, right? And and and, the, and let's be really honest about it. There's only been two players that have really stayed recently. Daff and Giannis. They won titles. So it doesn't matter if you're small market or large market. If you don't like, and, and frankly, then if you win a title and you're Kawhi Leonard, you still leave. So it's it's what the league is. Donovan gets the right as a free agent. Rudy Gobert gets the right as a free agent. Elijah Hughes gets the right as a free agent. And they all get to, they all get to choose. Yeah, but not five years before. 
Not five years before? Well, yeah. You can't I mean, control that, though. It's echo chamber. You can't control the outside narrative. And then, you know, the, they, the players have certainly moved the timeline on this um, with, you know, with their over the last few years. So, I, you know, in that sense, I... Um, I guess I give them credit. I don't know. But, I mean, we have certainly seen players move faster. Now, what's going on in Philadelphia is super interesting, right? Because I assume, we all assume Ben Simmons is getting traded at this deadline, but he's got enough years on his contract. Daryl Morey could play it out one more time. Yeah. And what basically – and they're finding him. So this is the first player that's, like, maybe overplayed their hand ever so slightly. Right, yeah, I don't know what's going on there, why he would think this is the right thing to do. It's just that, you know, we saw Carmelo Anthony whine his way to New York, Ewing played in New York. What the crap does New York have that you can't get here? I just but, don't know how to say like, it. But Carmelo Anthony whined his way to New York 11 years ago. Maybe 13. And like, Ewing, you know, Ewing played in New York longer, but and, and, and it hasn't changed. Right, and I don't know how you know. I don't know how Ewing whined his way to New York. You might no, have he didn't. Him. He didn't. I didn't York, say he didn't whine his way to New York. No, Carmelo did. No, right. you, so, he went to New York. But I mean, what is so great right, about so New York? Kevin, what do you get in New York like that Kevin you don't Durant get here? Whined himself to San Francisco. Is that like is that? What no, we're but at least he. At least a lot of his stuff was. At the free agent time, I don't have any problem with that. We did, we went through that with Hayward, but when you're just barely, he's three months into this new contract, and we're already talking about it. Yeah, I mean, but I, I also think we're now falling into the narrative of talking about it, and we're. And I just, you know, for, I would share for me, it's just to me, it's a non-issue. Like I'm just not talking about it. I just, I think it's, you know, Rick Buecher got his name misspelled. He was probably p- more pissed off about that than anything else when they published this report. He got his name misspelled. <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of the releases. And the thing I told PK, the thing I told like it's PK, like, it's like let's be honest, PK, it's our biggest nightmare, right? Like it's become such a has been that they misspell our name when we actually try to tell the story again after being no longer relevant after. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah. The thing I told PK was too. If you hear it from Donovan, okay, then then worry. But you got all of these unnamed people. It's the easiest thing in the world to have an unnamed source. Right. Uh, and obviously, if there's, I've always learned if if there's enough talk, right? There's probably some truth. But the bottom line is, we have not heard that, and I think it's just it's time spent worrying about stuff. I know, but it's like a Kardashian marriage. As soon as he signs a contract, when are you going to get divorced? Can we at least have two or three years but, where we don't have the, to hear it about perfect, every guy who's good for the Jazz? But the perfect response to that is, I don't care about the Kardashians, and I don't care what other people think. Yeah, but I think that uh, it's a here's perception, this, and we got to kill the wait, perception. Here's why this bo- here's why this bothers you, PK. Because in our heart of hearts, we all know there's a little something to it. Because all of us want to go home. That's so what much that's like what New York is bo- here. It's home. Yeah, we'll go right. home at 35. They'll go home at 37. Fine. But PK, that's why it bothers everyone, and that's why it becomes a narrative. Is because like there is a. You know, there there is a little bit to it that makes everyone a little nervous because of the fact that, like, all of us, like, did I dream of being the Golden State Warriors play-by-play announcer? Probably uniquely not because I grew up a Utah Jazz fan. But, like, did I dream of going to be a Stanford play-by-play announcer? Yes. Did I apply for that job at some point? Yes. Right? Like, like that's – like, those are things – because that's going home. Right? Like, there's something to that. Like, those are so – I think that's where if we're just, you know, 
we all mellow out for a minute and say, yeah, like, okay, like, you know, it's the same way the kids grow up here and want to go play for Temple Oklahoma at BYU. How much do you think relationships matter in that Ryan Smith and his group? We know the group now, but the group will probably be different as time rolls on. But Ryan Smith will be there, and he seems like he's a personable guy. How much do you think relationships can matter in this situation? I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to dig. I, I kind of want to change the subject. I understand this is what everyone's talking about. I understand it's talk radio, but I don't want to fall into this narrative because otherwise we could do it every day for the next probably three years. Um, but I, you know, I will say certainly the Jazz have done everything Donovan wants and have done everything that Don, to try to make this a a place for Donovan and Ryan Smith is, you know, been leading that charge. And so, you know, if, if you're going to make, if it's going to be a place where Donovan wants to stay when it's, when the time comes and it's a place where he thinks he can win, then the structure and the support have been there for him. But that also all might be irrelevant, right? Because at some point guys, like guys, I don't like find this, other than the fact that we buy – not Donovan, but just big picture in the league. Right. Other than the fact that we just buy jerseys and think we own players when they're on our team in a weird way as fans. And I, I know owns the wrong word, but I think that's the, the, the feeling we have to them. We feel this connection. I actually view our players as professionals who have a career and – no differently than any other career. I was in Salt Lake City and left to go to Seattle, and then I came back from Seattle to Salt Lake. I moved. And I left Salt Lake solely because I wanted to experience something new, and then over time and circumstances came back because that was the right thing for me to do. Um, and I just don't think that's that different than most salespeople. I don't think that's most different than most directors of marketing. I don't think that's most any different than most CEOs. I think that's just the reality of like life is that as you go on through your life, you want different, sometimes you want a new experience. And in the case of a professional basketball player, they cannot work virtually. So therefore they have to move and their experience time is a span of about 12 years. So it gets really truncated. And so I think that, you know, there's those last two pieces add a uniqueness that's actually no different than what most of us as humans are doing over a 50-year period of time in our lives. Right. And I don't really care about Mitchell. I mean, I don't know him. Uh, he To me, he's a commodity. He's a great basketball player. And it's, so if he goes, fine, just get somebody in like Hayward left and they got better. So I, I don't care about the individuals. I care about the team being good. And having an opportunity, as you do too, I think we all do, to be in the mix to win a title. And so it's not particular to Mitchell. It's particular to Ryan Smith building something that he's spoken of that he wants to achieve here. And that's where the relationships come in. It's a long, big picture, not relative strictly to Donovan Mitchell. He can come and go. Doesn't matter to me. It's just can they get somebody in who's as good or better and continue to build and be competitive and find themselves in the NBA Finals. That's where I'm going with the relationship issues because I think that that is something that can work to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan's done an incredible job in a very short period of time of trying to have an impact on, you know, how we're viewed, who we are, what's what our organization is. I mean, every and, – and it's not – and it's not um, from the outside. It's on the inside. Like, I, you know, I'll share the very first, from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, 
we had our first like in-person meeting in what, 20 months at some point here recently, you know, like the last six months. Yeah. And I walked in the building and I was like, whoa, like, you know, wow. Like there's real action behind the words here. It was awesome. It was, it was, you know, incredible um, and exciting to be a part of. Um, so there is a, you know, tremendous effort by Ryan to open people's eyes to the, what is so special about our state and where we are and who we are and, you know, and show that we're not how we're perceived or we're not, you know, we have a, do have a little bit of a tendency to stick our foot in, foot in it when we walk outdoors sometimes, you know, and create headlines across the country that then promote the narrative. And he's doing a wonderful job of trying to fight that. And, you know, he did it the other last week with when he changed the added to the board of directors of Qualtrics. He's done it with the Utah Jazz, both from, you know, the entry level position to near the top. And it's really great. And um, so in all those areas, that's where you know, I think Ryan's done everything he can. But I, I don't, you know, it's he, he also, you know, not an easy in this specific topic of holding a player in a city is not an easy battle because players haven't, you know, most players haven't stayed in any city. Uh, obviously, Rudy Gobert still out, David, and Hassan Whiteside had one of the more kind of head-scratching moments at the end of the game the other night. Um, tonight, John Morant flying around the paint <laughs> without a Rudy Gobert. Uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think of the game tonight against maybe, Memphis? Maybe in some sense, this is an easier night for Whiteside. Just. You know, because the other night they really were asking a lot of them, right? Because of Booker and um, Chris Paul's mid-range game, you were really asking him to come all the way up yeah, and play at the level of the screen to impact the cut, the right-hand cutback of Booker and Chris Paul and try to keep them left. That's, that's you know, that's a Rudy Gobert defense you're asking us on Whiteside to play. You know, Jal uh, Morant has gotten way better, um, but maybe tonight is simply – Stand in front of the rim. Just like they're going to play Stephen Adams, and so stay in front of the rim and don't let John Morant get there and try to deny the pass to Stephen Adams. And then when they go to Jaron Jackson Jr. as the center, like that's going to be more difficult. And um, but if they play Brandon Clark as your center, then stay in front of the rim. Did you understand? In front of the rim and nowhere else. And I think that's you know I think we I think that's what you have to kind of see that's going for the, for. Hassan, and maybe you're giving him a script that can be successful. It's funny you talk about uh, Rudy Gobert coverage because, I mean, you've pointed it out. You know, I've had the the I sit and watch these games for the last three years, but I get to listen to you um, while while I'm doing it. And one of the things I, I've really taken is just the intellect that Rudy plays with in ball screen. You know, the the ability to affect three things going on: the guy with the ball in his hands, you know, the roller. And then, you know, any kind of cutters or help behind it. Like, Rudy just has a sense of everything going on. Um, what, what do you feel like, you know, is, is that just learned? Is that acquired? Where does that come from, you think, with Rudy? I've never stumped David Locke. I feel so honored to have stumped him. Uh, I somehow had bumped mute. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, dang. I thought I, like, I, seriously, I thought you had you in major well, thought. I, I mean, it's an interesting question, right? So I do think that the league has become, you have to be really, really smart to play in this league now. And so, you know, and I think most of the guys are by the time 
to play successfully in this league. And I think most of the guys are by the time they get to the league. Like, I think that's what's really, really different. Um, you know, I think there was, used to be this image of the league that you, you know, there were a bunch of stereotypes to who an NBA player was, right? Like, I don't want to get into it entirely, but um, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. That's just not true anymore. Like, it's just, you know, there's now Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, you know, Andrew Wiggins. Like, every night we're playing, our guys, dads played in the league, right? Andrew Wiggins' dad played in the league, you know. Um, and so you're seeing these guys who've grown up around the game and understand the game at a super high level, and they're really smart to understand it. I think Rudy's in that group from a basketball standpoint. I mean, his instincts are just incredible. Um you know why I don't know, so that's where you stump me. Um, but I think this is. I think often when you're watching players right now and they're you know a step slow or they don't read something or they don't look like they're on it. Like I think it's actually like the ability to see the speed of the game and the rotation, which is just such a different thing than than what has been asked in the past. Listening to your locked on, you're talking about the jazz and pick and roll, particularly with Ingles, and it's decreased significantly. Any particular reasons as to why? You hit mute again. He's got to stop hitting mute. Oh, if anybody can overcome hitting mute, it's the Lockmeister. I thought he'd have like a perma lock on the on the mute. Sorry, my fault. I put my. I'm actually talking on the phone in an old school way, where my phone my phone is up against the ch- my cheek, and I keep. I guess I'm getting fat. Um, <laughs> diet. It's all that candy Ron brings to the studio. Well, no, diet. I, I Jelly beans. Let's see, last, let's see. I can't imagine I'm getting fat. Before the game the other night was a brownie, ice cream, and a chocolate. <laughs> um, but the mogul's got to count for something. Right. I mean, the cookie was supposed to be post game, and the brownie was supposed to be halftime. But they were all gone by the end of that first quarter. <laughs> nice. And you're now, you know, when you're down 21 at the end of one, eat sweet. And be a long night. Scores your team. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like. You know, I had to, I needed positive endorphins running through my body so I didn't say something on the air to end my career. One, he called 1,003 games, and then the Jazz forgot to play transition defense against the Phoenix Suns in the first game back. He ate a cookie uh, and left. Right. Like So the brownie saved my career. Um, uh, but sorry about that. So gotten fat. Um, so Joe ran 21% of the pick and rolls last year, which was – you know, a little bit inflated because Mike Conley and Donovan were out to end the year, but he's only running about, I think, 11 of our pick and rolls this year. Um, so one, he's not as good at it, right? So if you're the coaching staff, like you probably aren't giving him the ball. And he was not good at it early. Like the Chicago and Orlando losses early in the year, you can step, point right to the inefficiency in the pick and roll in those games. And then I do think that we are just incredibly well scouted right now. I, I just feel like the biggest difference, obviously now we're injured, but the biggest difference I've noticed earlier in the year is it was clear to me that everyone studied the jazz of the off season. Like they went 52 and 20 and people wanted to know what they were doing. And people watched that Clipper series. And there was, and then also if you kind of just run through, by the way, you know, those early games, Chicago, Billy Donovan's played us in the playoff series and probably coached it against Billy Donovan's coached more games against the jazz than any other coach in the NBA. 
Um, and then you got to Orlando, and Jamal Mosley was Dallas's coach that was assigned to the Jazz last year in the playoffs, and I was preparing the scout when they were up 3-1 on the Clippers and then lost that series. So you you were just dealing with coaches who'd really scouted us. And, and I do think, I can't find this data-wise, that people are switching more when Joe runs a pick-and-roll than I've ever seen. And so you you just don't see the Jazz running the straight high top pick and roll with Joe anymore because teams see it coming and they switch it. So now what you're seeing is much more of someone sets a pick for Joe on a pin down. They have to switch because it's a small, small pick. Joe comes around from, from the corner on a, then gets a pick on the move from Rudy. And then it's the left hand ladle at the rim while Rudy's rolling. Yeah. And it's just a different way to get Joe the ball. And so I think they're trying awfully hard to do that. But the top of the circle pick and roll with Joe Ingles, I think everyone just starts yelling, switch, switch, switch. And Joe's not going to be the switch in isolation. So then the play is stuck and you're now swinging and getting stagnant. That's my X's and O's take. I'm not sure that's totally right because I've tried to see if I can find the data that shows that it's, there's people are switching it more than they used to. But I think that the, Tim, does that vibe like feel accurate to what you've seen? Yeah, for sure. I think that switch thing is is real because you know if Joe's got space, he's fine. But when he can't get an advantage, and that's what's really changed more about his game is he just he can't get by guys. If if they switch it, he he's basically neutralized. And then and then you're late in the shot clock, and then someone else has got to play. That's exactly right. Yep. All right, we got to run, so I hope 1,004 is your best ever. That's awfully nice of you. This <laughs> might have been the best. Oh, wait, no. If I said that, David would be upset. Tim, <laughs> you're a trooper. I'll talk to you tonight. Hey, pack a, pack a cookie and a brownie just in case things get weird. <laughs> well, I mean, do you need me to bring them to you? Like, you good? Yeah, maybe. I, I might need some nutrition tonight. That's so we're in the studio with you tonight, so. Oh, sweet. Okay. You know. I always love seeing I mean, you. I can run by the store and pick up, like, mudslide cookies and all sorts of surprise of surprise me david we can sweet it out there's right. no we're in utah we're good at this that's we like got you, this like you're not going to new york for sweets you're staying here for saltwater taffy and sugar here here right here all right thanks see ya that's mr david Locke. right now we're gonna give do it we're gonna do it right now right one week from tonight, the Nets are in town. February 4th, Friday night. Who doesn't want a Friday night? Come in and see the Jazz. Have a great time here in downtown. Well, we're going to give away a pair of tickets right now. All you got to do is jump on a line. What's the phone number in? 855-340-ZONE. That's 855-340-9663. All right, there you go. Win a pair of tickets. Be the 12th caller right now. And you, too, can go see the Jazz next Friday. Get a Friday night on the on us. Jazz in Brooklyn. Call the 12. Great seats still available at utahjazz.com. Call the 12. Get started. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're somebody, bad. so many of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com.
DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Mark Miller, title sponsorship. Mark Miller Subaru, for sure. All right, Timmy L. Tim Lacombe sitting in. You can hear him tonight. Early game starts at probably 6 o'clock, right? Because uh, it's in Memphis. It's central time zone. You realize how much I like you. Wow, nice. Two, the, somebody so, does so in the this two, building. Two games you, you asked me, or two days you fit, asked me to fill in. I got jazz games. And, you know, I live down in Goshen. Well, Goshen? Pro, might as well be Goshen. I don't know Provo. where Goshen is. It's just further south. Uh, <laughs> go to the very south end of Utah Lake, and then you're close. Oh, but, okay. Um, Never heard of it. But, you you know, up and back, up and back. But I, when you ask me, I'm like, I, I, I've got to help a friend in need. Sad method to the madness, though. I thought it would be easier on game days than the day after games because you were up way late. Much better. Yeah. So that's why I picked the game days because then you don't have to be up late, although we were up late. Both of us watching, watching the that game. freaking debacle in Santa Clara. Well, I have to be, like, full disclosure. There's yes. a four-point game with 40-something seconds to go. And I knew the impending alarm at five-whatever. <laughs> so, I thought, you know, they've won this thing. They're going to get it in and make some free throws. I and, stayed. Yeah, but I went upstairs, and then when I came back down, luckily I'd left the television on. Because I went down to turn everything off. My wife chastises me when I leave lights and TVs. and You guys know that. When you go to bed? Yeah. You should be chastised. So <laughs> um, I went down, and they're at the monitor making sure that the shot was was good. And I was just like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, they gave up layups, missed free throws, botching inbounds passes, not once but twice. Jeez, man. They really just bleeped that away. <clears throat> I was stunned. That... I watched the whole thing. I was there. The whole, I kept thinking, oh, they're going to put him away and I'll get to go to bed. But no, 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 and no. And, I, and so I feel obligated to watch it. I feel like... Well, you're a huge fan. Well, no question. I'm a fan of my job. We established, <laughs> season, we established Wednesday you had two season tickets. Yeah. So. Uh, but missing that one when you turned it off or left, uh, I tell the story of, remember when Sunday out of Gaines hit that three to beat Cleveland? I had the TV on, and it's now getting past 11.15, right? And I got to get up early, and I'm on the couch, and I'm getting lower and lower and lower. <laughs> and sure enough, I got fully horizontal, fell asleep, missed the shot, uh, turned it on, game's over, and then I flip on NBA TV, and then, of course, they get you the highlights, so much easier to do this job now than it was when we first started. <laughs> but I watched the whole game, but right at the end, I, I fell asleep. So I literally missed Sunday out of games, making the shot and jumping on the scorer's table. But then you can catch up. I didn't see it live, but yeah, I watched that game. And yesterday we met with Tom Homo, several uh, select media members, one from each organization. I was there. Although we were the only radio so station. So they sent the most important well, people we from the each organization. Well, no, no, no. The other guys couldn't go. It was the most available. And they got other stuff to do. They got shows or whatnot. So humble. Uh, well, that's what they told me. So it has nothing to do with my humility. I mean, I am, I am wildly talented, and I also match incredible ability with incredible humility. They go together hand in hand. But they told me, you know, the only reason why we're sending you is because we're busy. So, and the only, and that's yeah. the only reason you can't sing because if you could sing and had all that, 
Oh. You wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. You'd be in New York. Can can the, the ACDC the ACDC guys sing? Pfft. I can sing as well as them. Are you kidding me? Get out of town. Shoot to thrill. Yeah, I mean a gal's got rhythm. <laughs> she got the backseat rhythm. So yeah, we were the only uh, all sports radio station there. I mean, we we'll, we'll cover you. We don't care. Uh, so talking to Tom. Specifically in basketball, man, we already know that's just going to be a huge jump. It's going to be unlike anything they've ever done in basketball. And they played in some pretty good basketball conferences. I mean, the Mountain West was decent. And the WAC back when, there were some good players, good teams, no doubt about it. But this one is going to be, a, it's beyond what they've done. And, and football, too. Much football, I think, is going to be way better than the Mountain West and the WAC were. Basketball is going to be better. I just don't think it's going to be as better because it was, they, they had some good teams. Uh, but the need for recruiting is just going to go through the roof. And right now, these guys got a good, the good basketball, good football. But I think the pressure is just going to rise immensely. And it's a question that I asked Tom Homo, and we'll let you hear it. Well, your own acknowledgement, Tom, the programs, particularly football, which is obviously your highest profile in the last decade, has lost recruits probably because of lack of conference affiliation. So going forward, as they're recruiting today, because particularly kids who want missions, everyone is going to be recruited to the Big 12. Do you see that ramping up the pressure on BYU football in particular to make sure that that doesn't happen nearly as much where LDS kids aren't coming here? Because of the conference affiliation now, that excuse is out the window. My answer? Yes. Yeah. I think our I think our coaches and student athletes will feel um, an elevated sense of let's go. Um, it's our job not to be that not to have them feel pressure. I don't think it shouldn't be pressure, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to adapt everything we do to be ready to go. So if we get into it and we're way out of kilter, then they'll feel pressure. But I think you're right. I don't think there's any question about it. When you play at that level, the higher level that you play at, the more pressure you can feel. So, Tim McComb, you were there. You recruited to the West Coast Conference, probably some uh, Mountain West, too. I don't remember all your your time there. Uh, This is going to, in both of these high-profile sports, is going to be a significant jump in talent that they're going to face in the conference Virtually every week. I mean, you look at, you know, Kansas football's down. But I don't know that anybody else is down. They may have a down time. But you just look at Texas Tech. Okay, they had a Patrick Mahomes. They can they can move the ball. He's not there now. But they've, they've been decent. It's not like they're awful. Uh, how do you think it's going to be, man? Because th- these guys, they're going to have to get talent. Plus, too, I always thought it was for BYU. It was... Any time an LDS kid left and he was really good, BYU was held accountable. Remember Roger Reed used to talk about it. And, you know, obviously the Chris Burgess thing. You have to get those kids. The pressure's going to be on unlike anything we've seen. Yeah, and I think that, you know, what Tom said there is true. I think, um, 
Tom and, and the administration's job is really to set the table with opportunity. Um, and, and I think they've done that. And, and I think what we've seen over the last couple of years, particularly, um, well, I guess on both teams, football and basketball, you've seen kind of a, a change in an approach, um, a lot more transfer portal. Uh, I think that, you know, not necessarily, quote unquote, totally relying on LDS athlete. Um, you know, I was wa- looking at watching the game sure. last night and, and late in that game, I mean, you had four guys on the court, five guys on the court that, you know, weren't even affiliated. They're not Mormons, right? They're not LDS guys. So um, I, I think that the, the pressure's there, but but I, I think it, it's more, it's different than it was before because you think about Utah when they got into the Pac-12 and everybody, how are they going to compete? And it's taken a while, right? It didn't just happen overnight. But I think by virtue of your competition, it really causes you to rise your level, raise your level. And I can only tell you, like, last couple texts I've exchanged with Tom, I don't talk to Tom a ton. Um, we've got a great relationship, but we're both crazy busy. But in both responses, you know, one was when they got the Big 12 uh, bid uh, invitation, and his response back to me was, you know, I told him congrats and that I loved him and I was proud of him and his th- response was lots of work to do. Oh for sure he right? said that yesterday. And lots then, of work and little time. And 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 then uh, just a couple weeks ago again I, I shot a text see how he's doing and it was came back with we got to find guys and girls that want to right. come here and compete in the Big 12. They got so their I think work that's, cut out for That's them. the mindset right but I think it's easier now. I, I've also seen uh, you know a relaxing of some of the old age old I mean guys don't their hair's different. Their facial hair's different. Uh, that it's gradually started to change. And I, I think was that's surprised a, Tom had a beard yesterday. Yeah, um, <laughs> Santiago with the with the mohawk was a little over the top. No, that's him. <laughs> I've had a lot of people stop me. It was funny because we used to get if a guy had facial hair at all, we'd get an email the next day, four or five, seven emails from all over the world right yeah so-and-so didn't shave and you know we'd have to deal with it at least that's one thing they're they're at least saying you know what let's let's relax this a teeny bit now i asked him that i asked him that very thing yesterday and he did say they're lenient and and for me i like that a lot i really i don't really care but i think they should do it because i think kids like it and it's a form of self-expression i just Whatever. But for them, it matters. So I also think that, you know, sure, they have an opportunity to get recruiting. And you talk about how, you know, they had five non-LDS kids out there. But they'll catch all sorts of crap if there is a big-time NBA player who's LDS and they don't get him. But I think that this sets the table more to get that guy. Like I, They've got to get that guy more than ever now. Well, I think, you know, Jabari Parker, I mean— he was going to Duke no matter what, right? Like that deal. But was that's done. out the window, right? And Frank Jackson too. Right? That's out the window too. Yeah, you got Duke get... versus Santa Clara. I get it, but Duke versus Baylor, Duke versus Kansas. Yeah, you got to no. get. The, you got to get those guys. The the pressure will be on more than ever. We'll elaborate on that next. Stay with us. 1280 the zone. This is unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. If you got to trade an offensive player, trade Boyan for Ben Simmons. What are you going to get from Ben Simmons? 13 and a half points. We don't want whatever. You want defense. <sighs> Stop trying to convince me of something. One won't happen, and two, I don't want to happen. Stop trying to convince me. I'm not going to do it. 
unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Valentine's Day, guys, just a couple of weeks away. Jimmy's Flowers can make it easy for you with ready-made or custom-designed arrangements. Order today at jimmysflowers.com, or you can visit their stores. They're in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Jimmy'sFlowers.com is the website. Did you guys catch crap when, talking to Tim Lacombe, you, you missed on an LDS guy? Or how many Did you even miss any during your time? I mean, that ended up being pretty good. Yeah, we missed on and those two I mentioned were the the more high profile. But didn't everybody understand Duke versus the West Coast Conference? Sort of. But they still think, you know, if you were living righteously enough, you would have got them. Who? The BYU, the BYU folk? Yeah, I mean coaches aren't got they got to do a better job. Nobody thought that. Come on. I'll share some emails with you someday. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, can I be He's part of this? Living right on and off the field, that type of thing. Magic happens. I wonder who got that quote. Do you want me to go into it? Yeah. Did you get it? You got it. Magic happens? Yeah. That was a one-on-one with Mr. Austin Colley. And I was also referencing a famous other and then incident. Max Hall. I, when Max Hall came into that press room, I could see, man... He had smoke coming out of his ears, and I knew Max a little bit. I knew his uncle, Danny White, and Max was a gamer. Oh, you got the Utah one, too, huh? Did you get the where he blasted him? Well, I knew he was just irritated, and I Max, I love Max Hall. He was a gamer. He was not wildly talented, but, man, he was an overachiever big time. And for all he accomplished, and actually did play in the NFL a little bit, and didn't have a lot of skill, didn't have a lot of size, and I knew he was so fired up. And so I asked him about, you know, well, how's it feel to beat Utah after all that stuff? Uh, and he goes, uh, do you really want me to go into it? And I said, yeah. <laughs> Please, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Checks his recorder. Um, yes, now. And to the point where later on the next month at the Vegas Bowl, I'm doing work for Channel 2, and so I got a camera and a mic, and I'm interviewing players out in the field. They sell, they won the game. I don't even remember which Vegas Bowl it was, but – I know they won, and they're all happy and excited. And Max's mother on the field came up to me. You're Patrick Kinnan. Yes. <laughs> you turn around, look at DJ. He's right here. <laughs> In fact, she, you baited my son into saying that. Uh... <laughs> No, but how do you really feel? <laughs> she got in my face pretty good. That's her kid. She was trying to protect her kid. What the heck? I get it. I never hold, if I hold, held animosity for all the people who got angry with me, jeez, it'll last me the rest of my life. No, but I remember telling the Utah coaches about that, and they couldn't believe that. <laughs> I said, yeah, it was true. And that was when Utah football was right at its height of hating BYU with Bronco Mendenhall. They had, uh, it wasn't a love-hate relationship. It was a hate-hate relationship, big time, man. It's not like it is now. And they, yeah, they, I told them that story. They just couldn't believe it. But, yeah, she got my face. So I, I just think that with, Par- especially Parker, he's a Chicago kid. I mean, what connection did he have here? And Jackson, yeah, you get the parents involved, and they want to chase the big time. 
Uh, he's made. Is he still in the NBA? Yeah, he's he's with Detroit. Detroit, the Pistons. Okay, so I guess that's barely still in the NBA. You know, and Parker. Neither of those guys turned out to be the big stars that we thought they were going to be, but they both played in the NBA, so that's good enough for me. I mean, that's the one thing I felt like we did a decent job of is we we identified the talent around the the, the country. Um, you know, and really tried to make sure that we got those guys that wanted to be BYU guys, you know, from the time they were little. Um, things get crazy in recruiting. And, you know, I watched Peyton Dastrup, you know, in, in his deal. He went through um, that. You talk about the big time and you get your head pulled out, you know, of of where you are and into this whole train of thought that you've got to go somewhere big in order to get where you want to go. Uh, but all that stuff, like you said, that should go away now because – BYU does not have, I mean, every single question they can answer. You know, do you have, uh, you know, you, what league do you play in? And, and we used to have to dance around it, you know. Everybody, the narrative was you go play in a high school gym. Right. And then all we start, uh, you know, how we countered that is we pulled up the Pac-12 attendance and said, okay, these aren't much bigger than a high school gym and there's not many more people in the Pac-12 gyms. It, it's, it's astounding, really. When you look at the Pac-12 attendance in basketball, it's always kind of Arizona's always had a great crowd. Arizona that, because they got a bunch of retirees. Yeah, but UCLA is smattering, hit and miss. And nobody really cares. You know, go through the whole thing. Oregon for a spell has, has so been good. They care if you win. Yeah, but I mean, but not care like they care about anything. Arizona's the there, win or lose. Right. Yeah. That, that, Until they die off, which is probably thing. next season. But yeah, all that stuff should be removed and. So I think, you know, you got the best of both worlds now. You can identify those, you know, really top prospects like Colin Chandler, the BYU you got this year, who's, um, you know, I felt like should have been a McDonald's All-American, was not. Is he a mission kid? Yeah. Okay, so he will literally never play in the West Coast Conference. Will never play in the West Coast Conference. And and his entire time then will be spent at Big 12. Because he's a senior, right? Yes. So he'll take off in the next X amount of months. And... Uh, then come back and, and be ready to do his thing in what twenty four. That's right. And they will. That's they'll be already in. Yeah, and and then you know one thing that Pope's done really well is he's he's really kind of expanded. Um, you know, we look at Atiki and uh, Traore last night. I mean, they've got some guys from you know foreign guys too that are coming in and helping. So I think they've got access to just about everything they need from a personnel standpoint in basketball and football. And now they've got the league. And that credibility behind them. Ooh, that puts a lot of pressure on them. You just did it right there. Expound upon that. And this recruiting, how far can they go going beyond what they do? We'll explore that next. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.